Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel, and Diane Duvernay, your host every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9, and streaming at 1290kzsb.com. We're repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and at Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. I'm coming from Massachusetts today where it's raining and my kids are like over the moon. I think we live in the only place that when we go to a place that has rain, children are happy. Well, I want you to know that for the first time in a year, we had our windows done on Friday and it rained here today. Honestly. Did it really rain? Santa Barbara? Where where I live, it it poured for like 20 minutes, just enough to get my windows wet. That's why Did you watch your car yesterday too, Neil. No, no, but the windows are a bigger deal, actually. Yeah, true. So let, so let me ask you a question. Do we have a guest today? We do. We have Jeff Devine, who's the president and CEO of one of our sponsors, American Riviera Bank. Jeff, thanks so much for being here with us today. Diane and Neil, happy to be here. So the first article today uh, is really not an article. It's a one-sentence story in Barron's. Um, Some of us, including me, um, look at stocks like Tesla and uh, uh, PayPal and uh, American uh, theater and say they're really, really too high. And the only way to uh, participate in what you think is a overpriced stock is to either buy a put, which could be very expensive and also expires. So you have to have the timing right or short the stock. And if you short a stock, the risk is that if it goes the wrong way, your loss is not limited to how much money you put in, but it's infinite because uh, you have to replace the stock that you short at um, whatever the price is at that moment, which could be any number as the price could go up to you know 10 times what you shorted it at. So uh, unless you're really, really sure, it would be very difficult for a retail investor to take a chance of uh, shorting uh, Tesla or some other high-flying stock. Well, the Barron's article talks about last week, uh, a ETF just came out, uh, which is a uh, a negative bet on uh, four or five high-flying stocks, including Tesla. And it's it's a way to uh, basically bet against Tesla or Nike or NVIDIA or Pfizer or a whole bunch of other stocks without taking the risk of shorting. So if the stock were to rise again to where it was you know, before the market crash, which was insane selling at 150 times earnings. Uh, and I know Diane, you just got a Tesla, so you're not particularly receptive to this, but if you really uh, think that the stock is overpriced, this is a pretty safe way uh, to um, find uh, a way of participating in what you hope will be a decline in the stock. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's one of those funny things where usually when they come out with those types of ETFs, you start seeing signs in the market that things are turning around, such as, you know, commodity pricing has dropped. So 
you know, I got my Tesla and had it coincide with, you know, gas prices coming back down. So, you know, there are some signs in the market that that it's not going to be as bad as people are fearing. Um, The um, next article is entitled Remote Work May Be an Unlikely Ally in in the Federal Reserve's Inflation Fight. Um, And uh, the article is interesting in that it points out that there has been a uh, reduction in raises to people who want to work from uh, not in the office. And specifically, researchers found that 38% of employers had expanded opportunities to work from home. uh, And when they do, they are able to reduce the amount of raises they were offering. And... um, the average for these employers was 200 basis points. So instead of a 7% raise, they were able to give a 5% raise. And you know the idea here is not only do companies save money, but it reduces uh, and helps the Fed with its inflation fight because it's reducing the amount of, uh, uh, of increase in wages. So I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. You know, Neil, it's interesting too. Some of the companies out there are doing regional Uh, compensation too. So if you're working for a company in California, but you decide you're going to live in Boise, Idaho, they're they're not going to pay you California wages anymore. There's actually pay differentials. So that could kind of fall into this whole uh, discussion as well. Right. Um, And the next article is kind of similar. It's it's talking about the the dollar, which has been soaring recently. It's at a high th- that we haven't seen in, 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 a, in a, almost a generation. Which you uh, enjoyed in Paris. No, I didn't, because what happened is when I went to Paris, it was a dollar three and the, everyone charged me a dollar ten. And now it's a hundred and it's a dollar, it's at par, it's and they're par, probably yeah. charging even more. And we before we went on the air, we we're talking about buying cars and why haven't the cars imported car prices gone down? Uh, you, you know that it, it it I don't understand. It's like gas prices. Gas prices go up when the crude goes up and goes down very slowly when crude goes down. And it goes down um, never. <laughs> yeah. So so this article is talking about um, how inflation could be helped by a soaring dollar um, because. Um, it is, first of all, um, makes it cheaper to buy things if you're an American. Uh, and um, it also uh, is uh, uh, because we are uh, pricing all of the world prices oil in dollars, it makes oil cheaper for us. So uh, there are some benefits for now. Of course, the other side of the coin is it makes exports more expensive and it makes it less competitive in the world market. Uh, well, and if but, you think about it, it's the reason why GDP was negative in the first quarter is part partially because of the dollar rising and overseas goods not being purchased at the same rates. Yeah. And the, other think, thing, the other thing to note is- That to many economists. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, when people buy the S&P 500, they think, you know, I'm buying an American index. But the fact is that over 30% of earnings of all US companies are foreign. And when you translate the earnings, uh, foreign earnings into dollars, you're, you're going to get hit. And so there's going to be an earnings per share uh, reduction because of the, the rising dollar. Um, the next article is entitled Debt Markets Jitter a Come, from, a come for Leverage Loans. And leverage loans are typically um, loans that are used 
by private equity firms to, to do uh, acquisitions of companies. And, uh, you know, they're close to junk in terms of ratings. Uh, and the first few months of this year, uh, there was very little impact uh, in terms of uh, price declines in uh, leveraged loans. But as interest rates began to rise in April, leveraged loans took a hit. And part of the reason is that the reason that leveraged loans stood strong at the beginning of the year is because one of the reasons they were strong in the first place is people were desperate for 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 uh, higher interest rates with interest rates basically you know at one or two percent. As interest rates rose in this country, there were other alternatives, and so uh, these stocks, uh, these uh, uh, bonds got hit, and at the same time. Uh, they're getting hit, the rate of interest on them for new bonds is going up, which could have a problem uh, for companies when they refinance, if in fact, we get a recession. So um, it's been, you know, it's despite what, you know, we may have thought, which I did, that it was a little bit uh, over exuberant, that market in the last two years, the roost, whatever the expression is, it may be coming home to roost. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some of those companies are going to have a hard time servicing their debts if they were already leveraged. And now all of a sudden, interest rates are higher, their, their borrowing costs are higher when they go to refinance. It is going to put some credit stress. And the last article is um, about women uh, taking charge in uh, their financial lives. And um, the percentage of women, this is in the Wall Street Journal, the percentage of women who say they take the lead in financial decisions has climbed from uh, 21% in 2018 to 26% today. Uh, well, 5% of women, 51% of women say they defer to their spouse on financial decisions. That's compared to 56% four years ago. And uh, what we're seeing is that what we're saying, what the article is saying is that we're seeing more financial advisors being female because uh, it's sometimes easier, not sometimes, but many times easier to communicate with someone of the same gender. And um, this is interesting. It, the, they interviewed a bunch of female um, and male uh, financial advisors, and they said, that they found that uh, women financial advisors tend to ask more pressing uh, questions of the client, which um, is very helpful to the client. Uh, the men tend to be a little bit less aggressive in terms of questioning the client's decision making. So the article is, you know, very favorable, and it also says not only are women being uh, attracted to other women in. Uh, in picking financial advisors, it's true for men too. Men are also looking at female advisors. So um, I think, Diane, you should get a raise because. Uh... <laughs> well, I'd love to see more women in the industry. You know, I when I started in this business in 2000, you know, going to conferences, you basically had, you know, it was the first time in my life I didn't have to wait in line to go to the bathroom. And now it hasn't changed all that much. You know, there are more, but it's still primarily a male-dominated um, industry in terms of workforce. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. The United Boys and Girls Club of Santa Barbara County has been serving young people from Carpinteria to Lompoc for over 80 years. Here's Lori Lays. The Boys and Girls Club was started in 1938 here in Santa Barbara. It was a small location over on Haley Street. We started building the location it's at right now on Canna Perdido in 1939. We have locations all the way from Carpinteria up into Lompoc. Plus, we have a Camp Whittier that's 92 acres in the San Ynez Mountains. It's $40 a year, and if you do not have the $40, guess what? You can come for free. Call 681-1315, and that's 805. Go to unitedbg.org and sign up. (laughs) To learn more about the services and programs offered by the United Boys and Girls Clubs of Santa Barbara County, go to unitedbg.org or call 805-681-1315. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, you have the pleasure of hearing from Jeff Devine, president and CEO of the of American Riviera Bank. So Jeff, you know, it's been about a year since we've spoken to you. How are things going for you personally and at the bank? Oh, things are going great. Thank you. It's been obviously a really interesting environment to be in banking. Uh, we've gone through so much uh, as a community and as a country with with COVID and, and adapting over time. It seems um, it seems like the, the the great silver lining in all this is that we've all figured out how to adapt. We're all still running our businesses and we're, we've adapted. And thank you for asking. Everything is is going well. It's been it's been a busy few years for the bank for sure. Absolutely, with the PPP loans, I think you know. What I can see now, you know, in, in, in hindsight, you know, the American Riviera Bank really show, showed the world or showed the community what that you're really there for them, as opposed to a big faceless bank, you were able to get things done that many of the bigger banks weren't able to. And, and you hear that over and over again in the community and the small business community that we have. It was completely worth it. It was so much work to go through that program and put those loans out the door. And it was such a difficult time for everybody. 
Um, but when you look at it in hindsight, I am absolutely certain there are businesses in our community that would have failed if they didn't get an SBA PPP or if they didn't get an EIDL loan from the SBA. And so, um, you know, we're probably seeing restaurants out there that we're still able to go to that we wouldn't be going to if they hadn't gotten that type of loan. And, and the small community banks actually punched above their weight class uh, in terms of the amount of PPPs originated compared to the big banks. Yeah, that's a great that's a great line punched punched up their uh, their weight <laughs> class. So so what do we see on the horizon? You know, if there's one thing that's constant, it's change. And I think the last two years have proven that in all industries. But with what's going on right now with the rise of in interest rates and inflation rising, how does that affect the banking industry and specifically American Riviera Bank? Sure, let's break it down. So the probably the first thing that we noticed immediately when rates started to rise and when the Fed started to take action, which I believe was back in March with the first quarter point increase, is that um, we started to see the rate that we receive on our overnight funds at the Fed started going up. So it was pretty amazing. I mean, with rates as low as they were, we were receiving 0.1% or 10 basis points on the liquidity that we kept with the Fed. Uh, because the Fed has now raised rates uh, up through June, the increase is about 150 basis points or 1.5%. We're now seeing um, that we're receiving about 1.65% on our overnight funds at the Fed. That's kind of a welcome change for the bank um, to see a little bit more earnings pick up on our liquidity. But at the flip so, side, so let me, Diane- let me yeah. clarify yeah. that because you know I'm always talking about this. So you, the bank, American Riviera Bank, puts funds on deposit with, with the Fed. With the Fed, we have excess liquidity because oftentimes there's more deposits than we have loans. So when the bank has extra liquidity, we tend to either park it with the Fed or we park it in securities, high quality, you know, uh, treasury securities, agency securities. And so the other thing we noticed when the Fed started raising rates, and this is something I know, Diane, you're, you're very familiar with, is it's been a very difficult environment for bonds. As rates started to come up and they came up very quickly from low levels, um, we started to notice you know, a fairly large unrealized loss on our securities portfolio at the bank. So it's not necessarily something where we plan on tapping into those securities. We can hold them to maturity, um, but it is a little disconcerting when the market moves that fast to see the pricing adjustment on bond portfolios. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch, you know, when you look at the bond portfolios and the stock portfolio, they really have moved in tandem. You know, usually mm -hmm. you have bonds as that safety um, or you can use bonds as a safety mechanism. But in this market, it's it's been difficult with the rising interest rates, the you know, as you as you, uh, to reiterate what you said, you know, on paper, it looks like an unrealized loss. If you hold them till maturity, you'll work out fine. However, it, it has been an unusual time in that effect. Yeah, there was really nowhere to hide in the first couple quarters of the year. I mean, the equities market and the bond market both took a hit in, in tandem, like you said. But the other side of it, too, is as interest rates go up, one would expect loan volume to go down. Have you seen any decline in uh, demand? 
Yeah, Neil. So let's let's talk about that. The first thing is, if we look at residential, one of the areas that we're active in is residential lending, and then also commercial real estate lending. So we can kind of maybe take those as two separate buckets. But you know, on the mortgage side, we noticed right away that things started slowing down. I mean, we had we had clients that were already in escrow to buy properties, so of course they needed to get through, close their escrows, and so we continued to fund loans for those people. But um, after those, those closed, when, when we started to see the mortgage rates go up, it definitely slowed down. My feeling is kind of everybody that needed a refi got a refi when rates were low. So you're not going to see people just going out and refinancing their mortgages anymore. They're going to hold on to their mortgages. So the only thing that's really going to drive somebody to go out and get a new mortgage right now is if they're, if they're purchasing a home. And, and we also expect that the Fed's going to get exactly what it wants, which is people are going to be more cautious about buying homes right now. They're not going to necessarily want to overbid uh, when the financing costs are higher. So with their mortgage rates higher, um, they're going to be a little more cautious about their purchases, which once again, I, I really think that's exactly what the Fed would like to see. And the other side of that also is that as... Um the stock market has declined dramatically, you've got a negative wealth effect taking place. So even for those people that uh, weren't going to have uh, the need for a mortgage, uh, they may be less uh, aggressive today. And I guess that also would impact the commercial side, which you haven't mentioned. Yeah, no, on the commercial real estate side, um, we have a pretty active roster of clients at the bank that do commercial real estate transactions and, and invest in commercial real estate. They seem to be kind of buying and selling on a regular basis and doing 1031 tax-free exchanges from one property to another. And so for those folks, they're a little less interest sensitive um, than the mortgage market. They tend to, to continue to do business with the bank, even in a higher rate environment. We'll have to see how that sorts out, but that's still been strong the first six months of this year. It hasn't tapered off the same way that the mortgage market has. The mortgage market nationally has tapered, yeah, really tapered off. Don't you think that's also uh, uh, the reason, one of the reasons is, is it's a 10-year loan versus a 30-year loan. And so, you know, you know it's coming. You're going to have to refinance often. More Diane, often than Diane, you're absolutely right. I mean, the residential loans, those are 30-year fixed rate mortgages, you know, sometimes 15-year fixed rate mortgages. But on the commercial real estate side, they tend to only be fixed for five, seven, or 10. So the rates are a little more reasonable there. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us. American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. 
she could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. America's Postal Service issued its first stamps in July 1847. And in July 1963, the post office introduced the five-digit zip code to help speed mail delivery. Today, the Postal Service handles 154 billion pieces of mail annually, while over a half million Americans work in 10,000 non-post office, courier, and express delivery establishments. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Jeff, you know, with the rise of interest rates and, you know, the fact that the bank is able to take advantage of depositing um, money, your excess capital with the Federal Reserve and, and getting higher interest rates, how quickly are um, interest rates rising for the consumer in terms of their deposits? Great question. Um, you know, it's a supply and demand issue because, you know, the Fed's monetary policy flooded the market with liquidity, um, somewhat the same as, you know, the government's fiscal stimulus also put a lot of money out into the system. So, you know, during the pandemic period, uh, money kind of came into the banks, uh, our, our balance sheets swelled, we saw a, cons a considerable amount of cash come in from our depositors. And right now the Fed's trying to take liquidity back out of the market. And to some degree, it'll depend upon how quickly or how successfully the Fed can do that. Right now, the banks are still sitting across the board on, on some pretty um, large amounts of liquidity. And a lot of the loans that banks make, particularly community banks, are actually fixed. You know, some are variable, but a, a big percentage of them are fixed. And so I think banks are going to have to be a little bit careful raising rates on the deposit um, on the deposits that our clients leave with us, because we're also stuck with the legacy loan rates that were booked during a low rate environment. So what you're going to see, I believe is a little bit of dragging of the feet in terms of raising depository rates. But I do believe right now with this next Fed increase, which is gonna be most likely another three quarters of a percent in July, I believe we're gonna to start to see deposit competition exist um, between the community banks as well as the um, stock and brokerage houses because we've already seen a change in the money market rates, right? Um, you've already seen that go up pretty rapidly you've just seen a little bit of a lagging effect with the deposit rates at banks. There's a, interestingly, there's a, an article today in the Wall Street Journal that uh, 
corporations are reducing liquidity. Uh, they're doing uh, some buybacks. They're um, doing some capital expenditures. And so uh, liquidity, I forgot the number, but it is it is down pretty substantially, from a, not from the banks, but from the corporations' uh, uh, excess cash on hand. Well, just to give you some perspective, I mean, you know, American Riviera Bank, um, we we traditionally had seen pretty good balancing over time of our loans and deposits, and uh, we we typically were carrying somewhere around a hundred million dollars worth of liquidity at any given time between what we have at the Fed and what we had in our securities portfolio. Um, that peaked out not that long ago. Um, at the first quarter, we were at about. 500 million or a half a billion dollars worth of liquidity that we were managing. So if you take if you take us as a microcosm, there's just a lot of cash sitting at a lot of banks out there. And, you know, it, it, it's we're trying to figure out where this is going to go. Are we going to actually see deposits go out the door? And maybe with the stock market turmoil and the bond turmoil, people are going to be cautious once again and not necessarily want to pull their money out of the bank and put it into the stock market or the bond market, but who knows? Do, do you feel, you're a public company, do you feel that there's any shareholder pressure uh, to not be conservative? Uh, I would imagine you're in a better position than uh, some of the high-flying big banks uh, because everyone is so in tune to every quarterly earnings. but. I would imagine your investor uh, base isn't as concerned. So does that mean you can be um, less concerned about holding too much liquidity? Well, I think I think the key is, you know, people do expect banks to be conservative. We are conservative by nature. I mean, we're we're lending out our borrowers money. I mean, I'm sorry, we're lending out our depositors money. So we really do have to be cautious about that. So when we have excess liquidity, Neil, like I said, it's going to go into cash at the Fed, or it's going to go into very, very low risk bonds like treasury bonds or agency bonds, Fannie, uh, Freddie type bonds um, that are backed by mortgages with an implicit government guarantee. So um, we're, we're not really paid to take risk at the bank uh, other than what we already take in our loan portfolio. So there's really not a lot of pressure from shareholders to be aggressive to juice the earnings of the bank quarter to quarter. We don't typically see that from community stock investors. Which is which is really lucky because today yeah. Goldman Sachs was apologizing for its basic business, but said we made it up, a lot of it up on terms of our trading. And that's something you don't have to do. Right, right. I mean, we're pretty much spread based for the most part. Uh, we do have a little bit of fee income that comes in time to time from what we do with SBA lending or our mortgage lending, but primarily the bank makes its money with the spread between what we charge on loans and what we pay out on deposits. A lot of the bigger Wall Street banks, they have other business lines like investment banking and wealth management and others that generate a significant amount of fee income. And so sometimes you know that that's why we heard a little bit some of the early earnings releases from the banks. The big banks were kind of disappointing because their fees were way down this quarter versus the second quarter of last year. Now, in terms of determining the interest rate that you're going to pay on um, cash deposited with the bank, is there any regulatory um, guidelines that helps banks determine, or really are you able to do whatever's within your best economic interest 
And that's why oftentimes there becomes a, you know, like a competition between banks to bring over depositors. Good, good question, Diane. It really is. It's not mandated by the government. We don't have any pricing controls in terms of what the government says, you know, you should be paying out on your deposits. It is really competition based. So um, it has a lot to do with what other competitors are offering in the marketplace. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big market. There's a lot of banks across the country. There's a lot of, you know, um, there is also that category of, uh, of course, of money market mutual funds, which pay a, a return as well. And those become competition for, for banks as well. So there's pretty, uh, you know, a pretty robust competition that exists and that really sets the rates. And now does American Riviera have those money market um you know, rates or investments that clients can invest into, or is it straight? Just we're no, we're pretty plain vanilla. Product. So our we do have um, we have normal checking accounts, of course, savings accounts. We have certificates of deposit, but then we'll, what we have are what we call our money market accounts. They're interest bearing accounts, but they are FDIC insured, so they are not a money market mutual fund. They're actually just a category of depository account. And that I think is really, um, really important for people to understand the difference. Um, in the Great Recession of 2008, many people didn't understand the difference of whether or not it's held on the bank's balance sheet or is it held on the, you know, the money market, uh, the mutual fund for all intents and purposes uh, balance sheet. And it definitely caused some panic during the time mm -hmm. when there was, you know, bank. I think there, I think there was one. Under there was one money market mutual fund that broke the buck, so to speak, and caused a little bit of panic during the 2008-2009 timeframe. Yeah, and now given what you just said, uh, the way to differentiate yourself and attract uh, depositors uh, is through service, which your which your bank is uh, absolutely terrific at. Uh, but with COVID and with what we see in the world, it's so hard to get people. Are you feeling any? Difficulty, any strain in hiring good people? Oh yeah, for sure. It's been a, it's been a real challenge. Uh, the The labor market has been really interesting throughout COVID. Um, you definitely had folks that you know. If you think about it, banking is done primarily in person. Yes, there are things that you can do with your phone. Yes, there are things you can do online. But um, a lot of things happen here in the branch. I mean, you, you don't necessarily do a teller transaction on the internet. You do it in the branch. And um, when someone's looking to get a loan, they want to meet with somebody in person. And I can tell you that um, COVID caused challenges, but the reality is that um, the market, the labor market has been very strong. I think that's probably a very positive thing for a long time. Uh, there were a lot of folks that didn't have um, real earnings power. And I think the changes that we've seen in terms of minimum wage coming up and um, employers being a little more competitive with their employees, I think that's a really positive thing, especially for the low income part of, of the stratosphere there um, in terms of the employee base. And we've seen a lot of um, changes where traditionally banks hired bankers and they competed with other banks for their employees. We've seen situations where over the last couple of years, we've um, seen employees go off to technology firms and you never really saw that kind of competition between different industries. 
Um, but it certainly has been happening a lot during, during the last couple of years. And the other thing is that the type of person you have at the branches are not the typical bankers. They're really customer service people. And so you've got a, you know, a, uh, to, to be, you need to be able to find someone that has tech capabilities, that has financial capabilities, but also a personality. So I imagine the challenges there are substantial. You uh, got to differentiate your, yourself with service. I mean, you, you just have to make a difference with the client. And, and that's, you know, people don't necessarily want, you know, 1-800 numbers and chatbots and, you know, automated lending, you know, algorithms. They, they want a person. And you're right. It's not easy to find that right person. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Lotus Land is recognized as one of the 10 best gardens in the world, and the nonprofit organization has volunteer opportunities. Here's Executive Director Rebecca Anderson. Lotus Land has a number of volunteer opportunities. Some people work in the dirt, you know, weeding, pruning, anything that you can imagine with oversight of our incredible staff. Others train to be a, a garden volunteer or a docent. To be a garden attendant, you don't need to do an extensive training. It's coming and being a representative and answering some questions and, and being a host. And then a docent, of course, is trained to lead a tour throughout the garden. So we always are looking for new helpers. To learn more about volunteer opportunities at Lotus Land, go to lotusland.org or contact volunteer coordinator Kitty Thomason at 805-969-3767. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, Jeff, one of the major, um, you know, kudos that American that American Riviera Bank has is just how positive, what a positive impact that you have in our community, and how you are so supportive of the non profits and community events. Tell us about that and tell us about your philosophy and some of the organizations that you um, support. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, we have a committee and I'm one of the members of that committee and we meet every other week 
to go over all the sponsorship and donation requests that we received from the community. Um, we were doing it all on a onesie twosie basis. And, and a few years back, we came up with the great idea of why don't we just meet every other week and we'll have a form that's out on the internet uh, on our website that people can fill out and submit you know, along with materials. And uh, we go through that. It's actually really fascinating. Uh, we get so many great requests. In a typical year, um, we touch probably 250 organizations in Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo counties with donations or sponsorships. Um, it's usually somewhere in the ballpark of about um, a half a million dollars. Um, and so uh, when you do the math on that, it's probably an average donation um, of about $2,000. Um, but they really range. They range from, you know, um, a little league sponsorship or a high school sports sponsorship for 250 bucks on up to some sort of special gala dinner, or maybe we write a five or $10,000 check to have a table at a nonprofit gala dinner. Um, one example that we're really proud of that happened not too long ago was um, an arsonist burned down the equipment shed for the Dos Pueblos Little League. And so all of a sudden, all of their umpire equipment, all of their um, you know, field equipment and the stuff they used to chalk the field and everything was lost. And so we jumped on it and we committed $7,500 in matching funds and a whole bunch of other people from the community dove in. And within two days, they had raised the money to replace their equipment shed. And so it was really just kind of a great feel good community donation. Um, and those are the types of things that we can do because we're local, you know, and we we're aware of things quickly and um, we have the connections to do some of those matching donations. Right. And, and what, a, what a, what a great thing to do in the community, because, you know, let's be, let's be clear. No large corporation is even going to think about a little leagues programs, equipment shed, right. It, it's not, um, they're not seeing that as having as much of an impact. And as a community bank where, where you are focused is our community, it makes a huge impact. So thank you very much for doing sure, that. Sure. And, um, you know, in terms of a c consumer of, let's say somebody's out there and they're looking to change it, uh, their banking relationship, why should they choose American Riviera Bank over any other, the other banks out there? You know, it, it's really that, um, our, our clients, they, um, they have a real person to deal with here at the bank, whether it's on the deposit side or the loan side, they're going to have a relationship manager. And that really makes all the difference when times get tough, whether it's a recession or whether it's COVID or just some sort of a change that's going on in somebody's life or their business. Um, I had mentioned it before, but I don't think I don't think they really want to deal with a 1-800 number at that point. They don't want a chat bot on the website. They, they really want to talk to somebody at the bank that's a real person that kind of understands their situation. And especially on the lending side, those loan officers really get to know their business customers and their commercial real estate customers where they've been working with them for a long time. So they have a lot of years with the tax returns in the file. They have a lot of experience um, with those particular businesses or investors so that when they need to do something, we're ready to jump on it. So I think that that's one factor. And that certainly came up with the SBA PPP lending too, was just having those relationships with either business owners um, that didn't necessarily have their business accounts at the bank. Maybe they had their personal accounts 
And we were able to help them out get, getting a PPP loan. Uh, where maybe they decided they wanted to move their business deposits to the bank after that experience. Or maybe you had a, a business that had its accounts with the bank and they got their PPP loan. And then all of a sudden, the owner of the business said, wow, I'd really like to bank with the bank now too. You know, I've been banking somewhere else and I'm going to bring it over to American Revere Bank. So it's really that personal relationship that makes the difference. It's, it's all about people. It, it, everybody's lending out the same money and it's green and uh, you know the interest rates are not all that different at different places, which is which is I think what really sets you apart from everywhere else is just the level of service that American Riviera Bank provides its customers, and even in Neil's case, his dogs, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, when when we we talk a lot about Santa Barbara, but you you now have a a large presence in Saint Saint Louis Saint Louis Obispo. Uh, is there a difference? Uh, uh, I know everyone likes to think that they're special, but are, are the people in San Luis Obispo ha- have different needs than than we here in Santa Barbara do? No, it's really similar. It, it is it is kind of interesting because you know you have both counties have really interesting demographics because you've got Santa Barbara with the county seat here. And then you have kind of the San Inez Valley, which is a little bit more rural and, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, backyard barbecue. And then you go up into San Luis Obispo County and you've got, oh, and by the way, down here, we've got UCSB too, right? So you've got the big university. Then you go up to San Luis Obispo and they've got their Cal Poly University as well. They've got their county seat in San Luis Obispo. But then you go up to the road to Atascadero and Paso Robles. And it's more rural again and agricultural based. And it, both, both of the counties have very similar feels in that respect. And we're doing the same types of loans up in San Luis Obispo County as we're doing in Santa Barbara. And the clients are very similar. I suppose, though, that one of the benefits of being in two different counties is it, it enables you to diversify your portfolio. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we, we find that the uh, about 90 some odd percent of our loans are in San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara counties. And before, you know, it was probably, you know, 85 or 90 percent was all in Santa Barbara before we expanded. So it definitely allows us to diversify our, our loan book of business, even though it is pretty much Central Coast based. Um, the, the offices up there have grown a lot. I mean, it was interesting. We started we started Paso Robles first, um, so we kind of jumped over San Luis Obispo, and Paso opened up in 2018, and they're already at 210 million in deposits. And San Luis Obispo opened up in 2019, and they were up to 132 million in deposits at the first quarter. So almost 350 million in deposits in three to four years, which is really, really pretty extraordinary because that's the size of some banks that have been around for decades, um, 350 million in assets. So um, the county county of San Luis Obispo has been a good place to do our banking. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back with our final segment. (music) 
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Remember, one less spark is one less wildfire. Have fun without the fire. In many areas, use of campfires and charcoal cookers are not allowed. Make that an advantage. Stargazing is better without firelight. Or listen to the forest at night when creatures really prowl. Hike in the moonlight with a flashlight. Bundle up and enjoy the warmth while sensing the chill that wild things feel. Make camping different this weekend and camp without a spark. The California Statewide Fire Prevention Campaign thanks you for your cooperation. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And on the break, we heard the crushing news that Neil's dogs did not win the American Riviera Bank contest. And I'm I'm sorry, Neil. Very disappointing. <laughs> they are beautiful dogs, though, Neil. I got to say. Thank you. Yes, they are. They are. They are. So, Jeff, in our final segment, you know, can you share with us what the future holds for American Riviera Bank? What are you considering? Are you are you going up to Monterey County next or where where is the bank headed? Great, great question. Um, You know, I think we need to do a better job connecting Santa Barbara to San Luis Obispo. I mean, we went up into San Luis Obispo and Paso Robles and we opened up the offices up there. And that was those were logical places to open up offices. Um, It would make sense for us to do something in the San Inez Valley or Santa Maria. And uh, it's really people dependent, though. I'm a real believer of you find the right person to lead your office first, then you find the location. That's really what we did up in Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo. So it'll really be dependent upon, can we find that right leader to anchor the office and then build an office around them? Um, But that's a a good question because it's something that we've been considering quite a bit. you know, there certainly are opportunities up into Monterey, Salinas, Santa Cruz. There's some good community banks up there. 
um, that over the long haul, um, some sort of a merger between a you know, bank down here in Santa Barbara and a bank up there in Monterey, Salinas or Santa Cruz would probably make a ton of sense in term, for both sets of clients in terms of expanding the geography. Um, so that's something too that we pay a lot of attention to and have a lot of conversations over time about those sorts of, of transformative mergers. And, and maybe part of the reason why we're doing that is because you know, we're about 1.3 billion in assets right now, but it would still be difficult for a bank like American Revere Bank to uplist from over the counter uh, where we trade on the OTCQX market to the NASDAQ market without having a greater size and market cap. Um, because uh, in the future, well, it's a little hard to know where it's going to go, but the the size of a company for the Russell 2000, you know, had approached, um, it had gone over 200 million in market cap and it's definitely coming down, uh, but it would make sense for American Revere Bank to be a little bit larger in size before we consider a transition from over the counter to NASDAQ because we wouldn't meet the threshold for the Russell 2000 at this point. And, and so you'd, you know, and you'd, spend, you'd spend a bunch of money putting infrastructure in place but you might not necessarily see as big of a pickup if you couldn't be on the Russell. Free, free advice is worth what you pay for it. But one of the things that you have that's a real advantage is you're public. You could do like a sort of a SPAC reverse a merger with a very big bank that isn't public. And uh, that public uh, 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 reality gives you a real advantage. And uh, I hope you appreciate this advice that um, I'm providing you. I like I like the way Neil's thinking, which is, you know, I could be the tail wagging the dog and we could end up merging with a much, much bigger bank that I right, exactly. Run. Jeez, Neil, I, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Right. I was I was thinking a similar bank in size, but, you know, you're you're helping me out here. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, so much for sponsoring us. Uh, we love American Riviera Bank. Uh, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk and we'll see you all next week. 